why don't we bring an offering of praise right now to Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for giving your life on that cross for us so that we may be here today, God, worshiping you unashamed, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord, church. I look a lot different than pastor. I realize that. Um, but I am going to speak a word to you today that I feel like is in a good timing. Um, it's actually something I've preached before, but <laughs> um, God was just kind of bringing it back up in my mind, and I feel like it's a good word that we need to hear today. Um, so I do want to start off by giving honor where honor is due to our first, our pastor and pastor's wife. Even though they're not here, they still deserve their recognition and that honor. I'm so thankful for all of their support in my life. I would not be here today, be the women, the woman minister that I am if it weren't for them. Um, I'm thankful that Pastor trusts me to speak to you all. I do count it as an honor and a privilege to stand before you. I don't ever take this lightly. When I come up here, it's not me talking. It's what the Lord has given me, and I hope you can receive that. And I do want to give honor to my husband, who supports me and all of my craziness. <laughs> I love you, Dee. Um, and on to the word. Um, I just want to read a brief scripture this morning. If you would turn in your Bibles to Jeremiah 29, 11. Um, and the scripture I'm reading from is actually ESV, so it might be a little bit different than what you guys see. But it says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. I know the plans I have. That's what God's saying. Plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. So we're only going to be able to find him if we're seeking him with all our hearts. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to a place from which I sent you into exile. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning that he will have his way in this service today. Lord, I praise you, Jesus. I thank you for this wonderful presence that we have felt in this place so far. I pray that you would have your way over us today, that you would open my heart and my mind to speak the words you want me to speak, and that you allow us to receive this today, to use it in our lives and apply it in our lives, that we can leave this place changed today, God, drawing closer to you, God, that we can come closer and be more what you want us to be today, God. Help me to walk in your footsteps, God. We give you all of the praise and all of the glory today. You may be seated. Now, I'm sure many of you have heard this passage before, Jeremiah 29, 11. You know, it's a pretty well-known verse. They make, like, those pretty, like, computer backgrounds, those, like, inspirational posters. I actually have it on a picture in my bedroom <laughs> right now. It's from Hobby Lobby. Um, and another translation, when it says plans for welfare and not the evil, it reads as plans to prosper you and not to harm you. So God has plans for us. And he's got good plans for us. He doesn't have plans for us to be in pain and to be surrounded by evil. His plans are for us to be prosperous, for evil not to harm us. Um, and I very, very often look at this scripture. It was um, like one of my, you know, everybody has like that one scripture. They're like, this is my scripture. You're struggling. You open up to the book to that one scripture. Like, this is it. This is what helps me. That was my scripture. It was my favorite scripture. It encouraged me when I'm feeling lost or confused. And so for today, 
thinking about this verse, I have titled my message, God's Perfect Puzzle. How many of you like puzzles? Are there any puzzle lovers in here? Like three, okay. <laughs> That's fine. We will celebrate on our own. I love puzzles, okay. My dad and I, I grew up doing puzzles all the time with my dad. We would, you know, it'd be Friday night, school's done, we're, we got the whole weekend, and we would sit down and we would do a puzzle. <laughs> I, I enjoyed it. You know, we don't do them much anymore because we don't, we don't live together, so it's hard to find time to do a puzzle. But we still enjoy puzzles. You know, when we have chances to do them, we try to do them. Um, you know, we, we did puzzles all the time. And I'm not talking like those 200-piece puzzles that you can do in like an hour. No, I'm talking like 2,000, 5,000-piece puzzles would take us like a week to a month. We would like take up a whole table and we're like, don't anybody use this table? It's the puzzle table. Don't touch it. Don't mess it up. We're working on it. We would, we had, we had this one puzzle. It was an under the sea puzzle. Oh man, it was a lot of blue and a lot of bubbles. A lot of the sea. It was awful. It took us so long. I tried to do, a, I actually tried to do a puzzle while I was on my honeymoon with my husband. <laughs> we were, we were in uh, Oregon, and we had um, a couple days, at, it was like the end of the honeymoon, we had this cabin that we didn't plan on doing anything, we weren't going out anywhere, we were just going to stay, have like a couple chill days, and that was our plan, was just stay in the cabin, not go anywhere, just enjoy the beautiful mountains and trees, and they had a puzzle there, I'm like, oh, this will be fun, this will be nice to fill my time instead of just sitting on my phone all day doing nothing, um, so I broke out this puzzle, and it was a really big one. It was like, I think it was only like a thousand pieces, but it had three kittens on it. Sister Sandy, you would have loved it. Had three kittens, but they all looked exactly the same. So it was like orange fur and like the whiskers and like this whisk. Oh man, it was, I, I did not finish it, <laughs> needless to say. I was close, but I, did, I didn't finish it. Um, but putting together a puzzle, I mean, it's not, you know, a nice big puzzle. It's not an easy thing to do. It takes time and a lot of patience. And you know, the more that I, I do puzzles and when I think about them, the more it makes me think about us in the kingdom of God and how we are all kind of like a puzzle piece in God's puzzle. And God's puzzle is perfect. So we all are fitting a part of something perfect. And today I, I, brought, I brought a puzzle. It's only a 500 piece one, so it's not that tricky, but <laughs> I brought a puzzle and I bet you this one would still be kind of tricky because it's got lots of like green, all these pieces, they all are very similar. But I brought a puzzle. I'll just, I'll just put it right here. And um, I brought this puzzle today to let you guys realize that we are puzzle pieces in God's puzzle. We are puzzle pieces from the same puzzle. You know, God's world, God's picture, it's all one. He sees everything. He knows everything. So his image of the world, it, that's his puzzle. It's all one big puzzle. And to him, it is perfect. When you look at each of the individual puzzle pieces, you know, there's some up here. When you look at these puzzle pieces, they're not, they're not all the same. Literally every single one is different. You know, these, one, these two have like similar images on them, but the shapes are different. And the shapes on these one look literally almost exactly the same, just a different picture on them. And that's how each of us are. Each one is unique, has a unique shape and a unique image on it. Some may have, you know, like I said, a similar shape, but will still be different um, from another one because the image is different. So they might look same shape from the back when you flip them over, 
their picture is going to be different. So they're going to go in different positions on the puzzle. And that's how we are all in God's puzzle. We're not meant to be the same, and we're not called to be in the same position in the same places. Amen? Some of us are called to be in a similar place. Like, you know, my, my parents and myself, we both, um, all of us, we decided a while ago, we're like, you know what, Pontiac, this is where we're called. This is where we're going to be. This is where we fit into the puzzle. So similar location. We would be in the same area on the puzzle. Uh, Pontiac, that's our puzzle piece. But my, my puzzle shape is going to look a lot different than Pastor and Sister Hiles' puzzle shape. So while our image may look similar, we're in the similar image area, my puzzle shape is going to be different than theirs because our callings are not the same. If you don't, you know, if you don't already know, children's ministry, that's my thing. I don't like being up here talking to adults. Y'all scare me. <laughs> I prefer kids because I can act like a goober and it's acceptable. And, you know, that's, that's what I'm called to. Children are my passion. I want to evangelize. And while that may be similar to my parents, you know, they were also children's ministers back in the day. Um, I am unique in my own way, and I fit into God's puzzle differently than, than Pastor and Sister Heil do. And the same goes for you. You will never be like anyone else in this world, ever. There's never going to be, there was never anyone like you, and there never will be anyone like you. Your puzzle piece is the only one like it in God's puzzle. You can't fit in somebody else's puzzle space, and you can't, and they can't fit in yours. You have your own calling and your own position that God has specifically shaped for you. Your puzzle piece of God's perfect puzzle will not look like mine. Your ministry will not look like mine. We are all I mean all, when I say all, that's everyone in here. We are all called to our own ministries. And uh, I'm not just talking about, you know, there's not a set list of ministries. You're like, well, I don't fit into that one. I don't fit in that one. I don't fit in that one. There's not a checklist of set ministries that you can pick from. A lot of people, you know, when they think of a minister, they think, oh, pastor up there, he's a pastor, he's preaching. Or that evangelist at NYC, he's a minister. Or you think of maybe Sister Sanchez, she's a music minister or a Sunday school teacher. But that's being a minister so much more than just these upfront pulpit ministries, as they would call it. This right here is not the only ministry you can choose from. This is not the ministry for everyone. This is not your only option. You don't have to be a people talker, a people pleaser, an outgoing person and speak and preach all over the world. That's not the only ministry you can choose from ministry is just not being behind a pulpit. God has given each of you your own talents and your own passions, and he gives us talents and passions to use for him, to use for his kingdom, to be our ministry. You know, you may feel like um, that you can't, that you can't use any of your abilities for the kingdom of God. You're like, well, I don't, I don't do much. I don't, you know, I don't speak, so I can't, I can't talk to anybody. I just, I can't really do much, but sometimes you got to get creative, in your ministry. I mean, like, look at Sister Sandy. Her ministry, to me, she's a baker. I'll tell you what, she's one of the best bakers I have ever met, besides my grandma. My grandma's a really good baker, too. <laughs> but she loves to bake, and she uses that as her ministry. She bakes goods for people when she knows somebody's, you know, having, it's a birthday. Let me bake you cookies. There's a guest minister. Let me bake you cookies. You're, you're having a tough day here. Let me give you cookies. That's her ministry, and you may not think that is 
a ministry, but it is. That's her ministry. God has given her that talent. She's taking it and giving it back to him, saying, I can't do much, God, but this is what I'm doing. And that ministry helps others. You know, I don't know about you, but when I get cookies, I, that makes my day 10 times better. I love sweet things and chocolate things. And when she gives me chocolate chip cookies, I'm like, mm-hmm. the Lord just fills my heart. That's Sister Sandy's ministry. So there's no excuse <laughs> to not having a ministry of your own. You got to get creative. Um, she spreads positivity through her baking. One of my passions is art. I, you know, I used to be so artistic and I love doing art. I still love art, but I'm not that good at it anymore. <laughs> um, but I've decided that I'm going to use my art as a part of my ministry. And if you don't know, I've been making like digital portraits. I draw pictures for people. Um, and I've been doing that as my ministry to give back to God, to raise that money to save our children. Promo, if you want one, hit me up. $20 a picture. But that's what I'm doing. That's part of my ministry is I'm using this talent that God has given me, my ability to draw, my ability to be artistic. I'm taking that and I'm giving it back to God. That's a ministry. You know, I'm not trying to be the best and I'm not trying to push myself out there and be a famous artist and be like, look at my work. This is an Allison Kennedy original. <laughs> no, that's not what I'm doing. I'm doing my simple abilities and giving it to God. That's my ministry. You know, but if you are artistic in any way, that can be your ministry. We need more Pentecostal artists. We need people who can do artistic things like digital Graphic design, Brother Kate, um, Kavid, <laughs> Brother David <laughs> does graphic design. That is his, his, his ministry. He helps us, you know, design our, he designed my, my title slide today. He, uh, he does photography, videography. We need Pentecostal people in these ministries because we need to be caught up in the world too, you know. Like we try to keep up with the times. We want to have the nicest, you know, graphics. We want to have a good logo. We want to have a good our Accelerate logo, Brother Zachary and Brother David worked on that together. That is their ministry. That's their talent, and they're giving that back to God. Um, maybe you like to write. Again, I don't mean to keep pointing out my husband, but my husband loves writing, okay? He's a really good writer. He's just He uses all these big, eloquent words, and I'm like, I don't even know what you're saying. I read like a fifth grader, okay? <laughs> I need you to dial it back for me to understand. But he loves to write, and that is a talent that you could use for the kingdom of God. We need uh, Pentecostal publishers. We, I enjoy reading fictional books. I'm really bad at reading nonfiction and like self-help books and stuff. I'm really bad at it. I get bored. I'll read a page, and I'm like, I'm so bored. But you give me a, a fictional book, I love it. I can read it for, like, hours. I just, it's like a movie in my head. I love it. And we need more Pentecostal Christian f fiction books. I love to read fiction, and I love to read fiction that is based around Christ. Maybe, you know, you, you may not feel like you have a talent, and therefore, you, you just can't be used in ministry. You're like, well, I, don't, I can't preach. I can't teach. I can't sing. I'm not artistic. I don't have any talent, Sister Allison. I just cannot be used. I can't. I'm not an artistic in any way. I don't have any talent to give back to God. Do you know how to clean a bathroom? Can you use a vacuum? Do you know how to dust? Guess what? That's a ministry. If you know how to clean, even if you don't know how to clean, you can clean. <laughs> you 
You may feel like you don't, aren't the best at cleaning, but if you can pick up a towel and wipe down a toilet seat, that is a ministry for God. You know, and, you know, guess what? The church, this church, it doesn't get cleaned magically. There's not like little fairies that come in the night and pick up all the dust on the floor. No, that's a ministry. We have a church ministry team that cleans this church. If you want to get involved in the church somehow and you don't know where to start, you can start in those bathrooms. It's a good place to start. I often say if you're trying to find a place in any ministry, the bathrooms are a great place to start. You don't start at the top. If you want to do something for God, you're not automatically going to be the best minister. You're not going to be at top and everybody knows you. You have to start at the bottom, and it's called being servant-minded. And that in itself is one of the greatest ministries you can be a part of is serving God in any way you can. Ministry always starts with serving. If you want to be used by God in any way, any form, any capacity, you always, always, always have to start with serving anywhere you can. You may not know where in the church you can serve. Guess what? Say, hey, pastor, I want to do something. I'll be like, okay, I got a job for you. You can, I'll put you on the cleaning list. I'll put you on the welcome committee. I'll put you, maybe you like to be outside. We can put you on our lawn care. There's plenty of things in ministry that you can do. If you cannot serve, you cannot lead. I feel like I'm in our leadership <laughs> class. We talk about this quite often, that in order to be a leader, you have to be a servant. Um, Romans 12, 1 through 6 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So God asks us to give ourselves, our bodies, to him. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I love that verse. Be ye not conformed to this world. And what that means is don't let the world control you. This world is full of darkness. It's full of sin. It's full of things that are going to try and corrupt you and pull you away from God. But we have to be transformed by the renewing of our mind and say, you know, devil, I'm not going to let you distract me. I'm not going to let my past mistakes get in way of me being used by God. Prove that we can prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. Verse 3, for I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Don't, don't be no bigwig. Don't think you're high and mighty and important. That's, that's not good. Don't do that. But to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Verse 4, for as we have many members in one body, all members have not the same office. One body, one puzzle, not the same office. We're not going to be in the same places at the same time. My ministry is not the same as your ministry. My puzzle piece is not the same as your puzzle piece. So we, verse 5, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one member, one of another, having then gifts, differing according to the grace that is given to us. And then it goes on to talk about different gifts. It specifically says, having gifts, we all have gifts, differing from one another. God expects us to be different. He expects you to be unique. He expects you to not match anyone else in this world. My talents are not the same as your talents. We are all pieces of the same puzzle. 
We are all a part of God's perfect puzzle. Now, there are some pieces that are, um, you know, their shape is similar, but the image doesn't look the same. You know, these pieces, they look, to me, they look very similar. Okay, so like, they look very similar, but if you look at them, they're not going in the same place in the puzzle at all. This one's blue, this one's green and pink. This is because people, we as puzzles, are called to similar ministries, but we're not called to be at the same place. So, for example, I have a friend. His name is Ethan Tucker. He's a really close friend of mine. Um, he does children's ministry, okay? A lot of people, when they see us, they're like, wow, you guys, children's ministry, you ministry great together. Some people thought that we were dating at one point, and it was weird because he's way younger than me, and he's like my brother. I was like, no, we just, we're just friends. But he's called to be a children's evangelist like me. So our puzzle shapes are, are similar. They're similar shape because we do the similar thing. But my puzzle piece is going somewhere way different than his. So his puzzle piece is going to be up over here, part of the puzzle. Mine will be way over here because we're doing the same thing, but our image is different. Our puzzle piece pieces may look similar, but we're going to be in different places. And you are going to go through life meeting people who have similar passions and similar talents and similar callings as you. You're going to meet lots of people who say, Sister Sanchez, she meets people all the time that are music ministers. And she's like, I connect with you. We do the same thing, but we are not the same person because you're over here. I'm over here. Our ministries are very similar, but we are not the same. But do not ever, ever compare your puzzle piece to somebody else's puzzle piece. I myself have found myself making that same mistake all the time. I look at other, you know, piano players. Like, I even look at Sister Sanchez sometimes. Like, man, she's so good at that. She does that, like, whole left-hand bass line that I'm like, my brain does not comprehend. I can do one thing here and one thing here. They do the same. I can't do two different things at the same time. And I look at people, and I'm like, man, they are so much better at that than me. Like, oh, man, what am I doing with my life? I'm awful. That's literally where my mind goes. I see somebody better than me, and I automatically assume I'm just the worst. You know, and I hear somebody sing so beautifully. They sing those beautiful solos at, like, camps and NAYC, and I'm like, oh, they make me sound like a dying whale. They sound so good. Why can't I sound like that? You know what? I don't sound like that because God didn't make me like that. God has come to remind me that the reason those people are so good like that is God made them that way, and he made me the way I am. He gave me the talents that I have to the ability I have them for a reason. God knows exactly where you will be on his puzzle because his puzzle is perfect. He knows exactly how your talents will best be used for his kingdom. My best talent may not be my singing, and maybe that's why I don't sing that great. I sing okay, but there are way better singers out there than me, and that's because God's not calling me to be some famous singer and writing my own albums and tracks and releasing things. That's not my calling. That's why my singing voice may not be as good as other people's singing voice. Your puzzle piece will fit perfectly with your abilities. So do not ever question your talents and abilities or ever compare them to someone else's because you two are meant to be different puzzle pieces and will not be in the same position on that puzzle. Continuing with the analogy of a puzzle, if you think about God's puzzle, there's obviously going to be a lot of pieces. You know, God calls everyone 
to be a part of a puzzle. We're all going to be a part of the puzzle. And if you think about everyone in the world, that's a lot of people. That's a lot of puzzle pieces. And if you think about puzzles and the process of putting them together, you know, like I said, a 100-piece puzzle, it's not going to take you that long, but a 2,000-piece puzzle, that's going to take you a while. And if you think about God's puzzle, it exponentially has way more pieces than a 2,000-piece puzzle. Then it's going to take a little while to put together. So sometimes a puzzle piece is going to take some time to be placed in the right position. You know, sometimes you get that one puzzle piece and you're like, wow, this looks like it could go here. So you try and put it there. You line it up. You twist it. Turn it. Try to make it fit. It, does, it doesn't fit there. So I'm going to put it, I'm going to put it over here. Okay, I'm going to put this puzzle here. kind of looks like it could fit. Trying it out. Turning it all which way? Okay, it doesn't fit. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try it over here now because it could may, maybe it fits here. And I'm trying it. I'm turning it. This is what God does to us. Sometimes we will be placed somewhere and we will be tested in every angle, every position, and then just to be moved somewhere else. That's how God works. Sometimes He places you somewhere to try and test you out where it's going to be. But that's not your permanent puzzle piece location. God does this with us. He tests us. Sometimes he's going to turn you. He's going to press you. He's going to try you at every angle to see if you're going to break. And then once he feels, okay, you don't fit here, let's, let's move you somewhere else. Like Brother David, again, I'm sorry to use my husband. He's just such a good example. He has been near, like, all over the place, everywhere. <laughs> he has been someone who God has taken and has tried him and has turned him and says, okay, we're going to put you here. Nope, this isn't your permanent spot. We're going to take you from, we're going to take you from Arkansas. We're going to put you in St. Louis. Okay, you don't, you're not doing very, we, you're done here at St. Louis. We're going to move you over to what? <laughs> not that you're not doing good, but you're doing good, but that's not where you belong. You don't fit there. You were good there. We tried you. You don't fit. That's not where you're going to stay. And then he went over to be a youth pastor somewhere else in Missouri. I don't remember the name. <laughs> he, tried, he was there for a while. He was tried at every angle, and then he was taken away. And then he was put in Illinois. <laughs> he was down in Toledo for a while, and he was used there. And then he was taken up to Indiana, and then he was used there. And then God finally placed him here. Yes. Lord willing, this is his and my permanent puzzle piece location. Our puzzle pieces fit together, him and mine, because we're married, we're bound together. God has put us together. And so we are part of the puzzle. We are here in Pontiac. This is where God has placed us. You know, he doesn't always place us exactly where we're going to be on the very first time. Sometimes he takes us to places, places us somewhere only for a season so we can be tested but ultimately to learn more about ourselves and his calling in our life. I can guarantee you Brother David did a lot of learning about himself and his ministry, all of those many places he was at. And unfortunately, since there are so many pieces to God's puzzle, this means sometimes we are called into a time of waiting. You know, sometimes there's those puzzle pieces that you just don't even touch. You're like, I'm just going to leave them over here. I don't want I'm not ready. I'm not ready to deal with that part of the puzzle. It looks really tricky. That's how God works with us. Sometimes he leaves our puzzle pieces, he leaves us out alone. Not necessarily being placed anywhere. He's like, you know what, I'm not ready to put you anywhere yet. I'm just going to leave you here. 
you're gonna this is where you're gonna be and just because God's not placing you in the picture of the puzzle right now doesn't mean he's forgotten about you God will call you into a time of waiting you know whether you have been there maybe you're there now you feel like you're not fitting into a puzzle right now you're like I don't I don't fit in this isn't something is not right I don't know what's going on but you will be placed into a time of waiting and now there's two different words on takes on the word wait and um, I received this idea by a fellow minister of mine his name is brother Luke Moore um, I went to Urshan with him, and he was talking about the word waiting. We sang that song, wait on the Lord, wait on the Lord. That song. See, I'm not that great at singing without music to back me up. It's such a good song, and it was like the song at the end of the service, and so we're kind of like, well, what, why are we waiting? You know, like we're, the whole point of our, ser- our like set of songs was to go boldly. It was our go boldly tour. So we're like, go boldly, like, yeah, we're going to go, we're going to go and be, be a part of something and do something great, and then we ended with waiting. I'm going to wait on the Lord. We're like, well, that kind of contradicts itself. But he got up, and he's like, well, not really, because sometimes when we want to go boldly, we can still be bold, but be in a time of waiting. And there's two words for the word wait. When you think about wait, usually you mean waiting, not doing anything. But when God calls us into a time of waiting, there's also the term wait, waiting, like a waiter or waitressing who serves. So if you are in a time of waiting, you don't know where God is going to put you, you should still be waiting. <laughs> serving around you because God is still going to put you in that puzzle. He's just waiting to see what you will do in your time of waiting, in your time of not knowing where you're going to be. Are you still going to be faithful? Are you still going to call on the Lord? Are you still going to wait and serve others around you? Being in a time of waiting, serving with no recognition. I think that's really hard for some people to do, to serve and not let anybody know that you did it. Have you ever done that? Like you, you, you like clean the house for like your mom or your dad when you're living at home. I used to do that all, not all the time, but I would do it. I would clean the house without them telling me. And I wouldn't like be like, hey, mom, do you see I clean the house? I would just clean it and be like, you know what? I'm just going to, she can enjoy it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to push, pull myself up. I'm not going to try and make myself so high and mighty because I clean the house, mom. That's not what God wants us to do in our time of waiting. It's serving without recognition, without being a face, a name. Just serve. Be willing to serve without the recognition. Because living for God is not about the names. It's not about the titles. It's not about the position. It's about living for God. Serving God does not mean you're going to have a title or a position. And sometimes it means you're going to be placed into a time of isolation. This is something that you cannot and you should not try to avoid. I can promise you that times of isolation, it's tough. Maybe you've been through it. Maybe you haven't quite felt it yet, but you're, you're going to. And it, it has a purpose, though. And I'm going to be open and honest with you and share about my time of isolation. I went my whole life... I mean, if you know me, I'm a pretty social person. I like to hang out. I like to talk to people. I, you know, I just love the social life. And I had a time where God put me in a time of isolation. And I had never experienced that in my entire life until I was a young adult. And I struggled at first because I didn't know why 
why I was feeling lonely, why I was stressed. You know, I was surrounded by so many godly people, but I felt so alone and like no one could see me. It didn't, it didn't make sense to me. I was like, how, how, how can I be feeling this way when I'm surrounded by a bunch of people who I know are God-fearing, God-loving people, but I feel like nobody sees me. But more and more, God began to reveal to me what I was going through, and so began my isolation process. And let me tell you, it's not easy. Like I said, I'm a very social person. I thrived off of socialization and interacting with people, and if I didn't have that interaction with my friends, I, I started to feel lonely and I started to feel sad. And that's what happened to me. My social life took a turn and all of a sudden there was no one. And I don't mean like literally no one, like I had my family obviously, but I was away from them. So they weren't there with me. And I felt so alone. I, I, I don't, I just, I was so confused. Something, something changed. And it seemed as though I went through my days without any socialization at any point sometimes. I felt like I, I didn't talk to anybody all day. I was by myself all day just waiting, my, my trying, trying to see if anybody wanted to hang out with me. My phone stopped ringing. I didn't, I didn't, I, the text stopped coming. My social media dwindled. I stopped posting, and therefore people stopped interacting with me. And I, I was confused. My time really only consisted of work and coming home from that work, trying to fill my time with the spare time I had when I, I didn't have anybody. I, I, I was tired of feeling lonely. And so I tried to fill that void my, in my time of isolation. I was tired of it, and so I wanted to fill it. And guess what I did? I played video games. <laughs> I was tired of being lonely. I'm like, you know what, fine. If nobody's gonna talk to me, I'm just gonna play video games and distract my brain that way. <laughs> yeah, it, it, didn't, it didn't work. It didn't work. Uh, it captured my interest for a short while. It filled that void. I came home, I'm like, yeah, I have something to do now. <laughs> and then, I just started to feel empty again. I'm like, this, uh, this just, this isn't doing it for me. What is going on? You know, I had no want to pick up my phone because I knew it would just lead to me just scrolling endlessly on Facebook and it would wait, take up so much time. I wouldn't have anybody to talk to, nobody to Snapchat. My Snapchat wasn't going on because that was really big at the time. <laughs> I didn't want to play games because they didn't satisfy me. I'm like, what is the deal? And then one day, God spoke to me in a very, very quiet moment. And he, he asked me, he's like, Allison, what are you doing with your life right now? And in that moment, I was like, oh, my goodness. I've been dwelling in my own pity party, feeling alone. When I had a God who could have picked me up, and he was with me that whole entire time. He made me realize that my time of isolation was not to hurt me. My time of isolation was so that I could grow and not rely on socialization, on my friends, on my family, that I can stand up and wake up each day saying, I know I'm not alone because I have a God who I can rely on. 
He made me realize that I was putting, being put into a time of isolation for a purpose. For so long, I relied on socialization to keep me happy. But God took that away from me. And he realized, helped me realize that he is the reason that I should keep going. He is the reason why I should get up in the morning and I should take a step and I should go about my day. Not because I'm excited to talk to my friends, although I get excited. That's not the reason I continue to live my life. He is the reason. He tested me and through that, he began to mold me. I realized that the time I spent trying to talk and communicate with people was taken away from my time from God. It was taken away from me. He took it away so that I could spend more time in my word, in the Bible, and in prayer. I mean, like, I read the Bible when I remembered. I prayed, you know, like over my food before I went to bed. But God was not satisfied with that. He's not satisfied with us just doing the bare minimum. This is not in my notes, but it reminds me of what Brother Victor Jackson spoke Friday night at convention. He said, we have to stop patting ourselves on the back for doing the bare minimum. I showed up to church today. Good job. Good job, Allison. You're doing great. And then I just sit there, and I'm like, okay, yep, I'm at church. Check. I'm done. I'm going to go home. I went to church. I did it. That's not what God wants us to do. Living for God is not a checklist. It's not just coming to church. Check. Oh, I raised my hands once during worship. Check. We have to stop con- like being proud of ourselves for doing the bare minimum. Coming to church is not, it shouldn't be something that we're so proud of. It should just be normal. Coming to church every Sunday morning, it should be the normal. We shouldn't be patting ourselves on the back for getting out of bed and coming to church on a Sunday morning. That's what God expects of us. We should be patting ourselves on the back when we've had a tongues and interpretation. You've been refilled over and over and over again. We should pat ourselves on the back when you come changed. But if you come and you leave the same way you are, what, what's the point? That wasn't in my notes, so let me reconvene. <laughs> Once I realized what was going on and that there was a purpose for my isolation, I began to get back on the right track. You know, I spent more time reading God's word. I had time in prayer. I started a prayer journal. And church, let me tell you, if you don't have a prayer journal, I very highly recommend you get one. And I don't mean just writing down your prayers. Anytime I went to prayer, I would take this journal with me. And any thought I had, I would write it down. And I still go back to those journals today. And I'm like, wow, I remember that moment. I remember what I was feeling. And God spoke to me. And I wrote it down. I started developing my relationship with God. I put God first, and I got my mind focused on what he could do through me. And then guess what? My time of isolation was over. I started having friend, friends again, and I started socializing, and it was just great. And now your time of isolation may be for a different reason than mine, but God will get you through it. And sometimes it just feels like it just goes on forever. You feel lonely, you feel stressed, and it just seems like it's been going on for days, months, sometimes even years. But God has a purpose. Trust the process. Trust in his process of putting together his puzzle. It's his puzzle. It's not mine. It's not yours. We can't work it. We can't do it and put pieces where we want them. 
It's God's. And his puzzle is perfect. He has plans for you, just as Jeremiah 29 said. God knows you. He has plans for you to prosper. He's got plans for you. He knows your future. He will restore you. So trust his process. We're all part of God's puzzle. And each day, each of us are made differently than one from another. And but, you know, we all make up the same picture. We're all part of the same puzzle. And that's why, church, we cannot, please do not ever turn on each other, cause drama with other people in this church, not even just in the church, in in the organization and anywhere. You should not be causing drama and causing, um, you know, people to break away from each other. Proverbs 17, 17 says, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. I love that verse. That's another one of my verses that I'm just like pinpointed, highlighted in my Bible. We family, we are family. We're a church family, right? So we are brothers and we are sisters in Christ. And what Proverbs 17, 17 says, you know, a friend, you know, they're always going to be there. They're always going to love you. Like, oh, friend, I love you at all times. You're my friend. But a brother is going to be there for you through the adversity, through the tough times, through the hard times. We are brothers and sisters. We have to look out for each other because that devil is out there and he is on the prowl. He is on the prowl for you. He's on the prowl for your family, for this church. And he wants to get into our minds and to stir up thoughts to tear us apart. And we cannot let him do that. If that devil's trying to tell you, hey, that person, he, he's, he's, been a, he's been talking about you. I bet you he has. He has not. Don't let the devil tell you those lies about anyone in this church because we are all in this together. Don't sing it. And we are going to make it together. We cannot let the devil get in our minds. Proverbs 19, 18 and 19 and verse 21, 19 and then to verse 21, it says, A brother offended is more unyielding than a strong city, and the quarreling is like the bars of a castle. And then jump to verse 21. It says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Death and life is in the power of your tongue. You have the power to kill someone spiritually, but you also have the power to love someone and encourage them and support them and allow them to live and grow and thrive spiritually. So watch your mouth. <laughs> There's a lot of power in your tongue, in your words. This is why I say we must reach out to our brothers and sisters and lift them up. Be there for each other. Our puzzle pieces, they're supposed to link up and work together. We're all supposed to link together. So me and David link together as a puzzle piece. But maybe Sister Carissa, she's the puzzle piece right next to me. And then Sister Sandy's on the other side of her. And then Sister Sanchez connects to Carissa underneath. We are all connected as one picture. We are a part of the best picture I could ever imagine. We are part of God's perfect puzzle. And we are making up his image the picture on that puzzle, it's Jesus. It's God. And we are all a part of it working together to be more like him. We cannot let the devil try and tear us apart from each other and bring division into our church, into our family, into our city. That is not what God has planned for us. You are where you are supposed to be right now. You may not be in your final position of God's puzzle, so maybe you're here today. Your puzzle piece is here in Pontiac right now, but 
Maybe your puzzle piece's final destination is not Pontiac. God may bring you out of here, and he may take you over here. He may bring you out of there. He may take you over here. But you are here right now hearing these words today for a reason. I'd ask if, if everyone would stand. Musicians, please come. You'll notice I have puzzle pieces all up along the altar here. There's should be enough for everybody. If there's not, I got a whole box full. Um, and I have these puzzle pieces, and I ask that as we, we get ready to come for altar call, that when you come up here, if you will take a piece of the puzzle and pray over it and pray with it and let that puzzle piece remind you how unique you are, that you are made the way you are for a reason. God doesn't make mistakes, church. No matter what this world may try and tell you, they may try and say, hey, you're not skinny enough. You're not pretty enough. You can't sing good enough. You're not famous enough on TikTok. You're not going to be good enough. That doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the world says. Your puzzle piece, each of these puzzle pieces have a specific shape and have a specific image on them for a reason. Because when they all come together, they work and they create a perfect puzzle image. As we get ready to come for a time of prayer, I want you to think about yourself, your talents, and about how we can use that for God. During this time of prayer, think about your puzzle piece. We are all a part of the puzzle. You are the way you are for a reason, and that's okay. You are meant to be different from the neighbor next to you. You are meant to be different and have different talents, different abilities, but we are also supposed to work together. These puzzle pieces, they link up with each other. So as we come and we pray in these altars and you're praying over yourself, you're praying with your puzzle piece, if it's acceptable, I pray or I ask that you would pray with someone next to you, link up to someone, link up to somebody else, a part of our puzzle today, to pray for each other. Hallelujah. God is wanting to change someone's life today. He wants you to realize he has great plans for you. We can't see the future church, but God does. And he knows what is in front of you, and he's going to make you get through it. He's going to help you get through it. So I ask if you would come to the altar and pray pick up a puzzle piece and say, God, I'm giving my puzzle piece over to you today. All of my talents, all of my abilities, I give them to you today. Recommit yourself to him. Be reminded that he has a purpose for you. He knows the plans. He has purpose for your life. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. You just have to trust his process of him putting his perfect puzzle together.